Howdy folks, welcome to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I am your host, Ed Moore, and keep in mind this episode there will be spoilers. Well, actually, every episode there's spoilers because I talk about comic books, but there will this episode as well. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L, on Facebook. I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo page and the Usagi Ojimbo fan page. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website where I post the episodes, and UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Usagi Ojimbo, Color Classics Issue 3 from IDW, cover dated March 2020 is the book I am looking at. Dramatis Personae include Miyamoto Usagi, Genosuke, those are the two primaries. Usagi is telling stories about his background that also involve Kenichi and Gunichi in the two stories, one one for each character. Now, there are two parts um, to this issue. The first part, which is part five of the overall storyline, I have previously discussed in episode 13 of the show, which I dropped November 5th, 19, uh, 2011. 1911. Yeah, right. Uh, when I was talking about Volume 1, Issue 2 of the Fantagraphics, Usagi Ojimbo. And Part 6, which is the second part of this issue, I talked about in Episode 14, or the November 21st, 2011 episode I dropped. And that was Volume 1, Issue 3 of the Fantagraphics volume, uh, when I discussed it. So... Uh, I also do want to apologize for any background noise that you may hear. I'm sitting outside on my back porch. There's a breeze blowing, hopefully not too loudly. Ten, twelve neighbors here, one of which is running something that sounds like a chainsaw, but I guess it's going to be a leaf blower or something similar to that. If it's too loud, I might try to take that out and post, but otherwise, this is my studio for the day, so it's what we have to deal with. All right, getting into the book here. Uh, first, the cover. Usagi is being beset upon by a group of probably brigands. There's six total, uh, one of which that is fighting Usagi so hard that he is biting him on the shoulder to keep attached to him. He's attacked him from behind. This particular scene really doesn't appear anywhere in the book. Uh, there is a similar scene, but it's not it's not this, so... But this is pretty close enough, showing a lot of action, a lot of angry men, uh, well, we'll assume men, uh, attacking Usagi. Now the story opens, Usagi is at a, um, a mountain hut, he says, that's abandoned, and he has taken up residence there, to uh, meditate and further acquaint himself with the pair of swords that he received last issue from Lord Mifune. Now this is two months plus uh, since last we saw Usagi. Um, as the narrator of the story, he tells us, I remained with Katsuichi for another two months. As a parting gift, I left a bucket of water and a stack of firewood. So that's, to me, two months after the uh, Dagoro Fencing School tournament. On my teacher's advice, I secluded myself in the mountains, living in an abandoned hut to spend time in meditation and to acquaint myself with my new swords until I felt ready to enter a lord's service as a samurai. And full page panel here, Usagi standing on a 
Uh, kind of looks to me like a rocky stream bank. A gnarly, leaveless tree in the background here. The hut with a water wheel, um, which I assume is the hut that he's been staying in next to him. Tokagi, dragonflies, a fish, and a turtle are our other uh, creatures here. So as Usagi's practicing, we see one panel here where he slices a dragonfly in half with a slice, which I guess is the sound that it makes when you slice a dragonfly in half. I've never heard it, so I can't say yay or nay. But he turns and standing atop the water wheel, which must be locked because he's standing on it in such a way that it would surely spin, uh, is a gentleman wearing a what I believe is a kuka amigasa. The uh, deep, uh, looks like a trash can wicker hat over the head with the slits down at the bottom part so that you can see through them. A mino, or the straw cape that uh, was used during the Edo period. Uh, and a pair of geta, which are the shoes that to us here in the West re resemble like clogs and sandals kind of melded together. Now, my limited... Western research, this is what I gather from the outfit. I may be wrong, and if I am, I apologize. Uh, anybody that knows, is familiar with the issue, and can correct me if I am wrong, please do so. Uh, gently, but I, I, I welcome correction if I'm wrong. But he says, greeting samurai. And Usagi turns after having sheathed his sword from slicing the dragonfly in half, I might add. With a slice, I'll say that again, because I personally don't know, but that sounds like a working sound for what it sounds like to slice one in half to me. So, cool. Um, who are you, stranger? And the stranger tells him, now standing atop. It's it's almost like in the first panel he had jumped onto the water wheel. And now he has moved to where he's standing atop it. And he says, I've been watching you for some time, Usagi. Katsuichi taught you well. And Usagi tells him, what have you to do with my instructor? Are you a practitioner of the sword also? And how do you know who I am? And so this goes back and forth. Ultimately, uh, this individual challenges Usagi as he has drawn his sword, and then he flings the kasa at Usagi. Usagi slices it in half, and as he looks on towards this individual now, he sees that it is Gunichi, who identifies himself as the bodyguard to Lord Mafuni, who we had seen standing second, to Lord Mafuni in the uh, fencing school tournament. Usagi says, I remember you. You were at the tournament. And Gunichi tells him, yes, I studied your performance and I think your swordsmanship may also equal my own skills. So I came to find out if I was right. Would you duel with Boken or Blade? And Usagi says, this is a good time to baptize my fine swords. If I lose, I will know I am not worthy of them. Gunichi responds, such arrogance from one so untried. But I was like you once. We'll learn better. You'll learn better with age. Though I doubt you'll live much longer. This match will not end until our swords have tasted blood. Agreed, Usagi says, taking a stance. Uh, Gunichi is the first. He rushes Usagi. They meet with a katang of sword meat. We see tang, 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 and the, the swishing of the sword, the impact uh, marks of where in the swishing of the sword the swords have contacted. This panel is just of Usagi's side of the, uh, shall we call it dance, the sword dance. 
many panels of Usagi and Genichi fighting, changing stances, changing sword hand placements, staring at each other. Um, Usagi at one point leaps up. Gunichi swings his sword beneath him because Usagi leapt out of the way, but both in that panel hear a, a rustle coming from behind Gunichi, uh, such that it even frightens a Tokagi that was hiding back there. We then have two panels where we, or four panels actually, where we see Usagi charging with a, a Rai, R-Y-A-A, Kunichi charging, a, Gunichi, excuse me, charging with a K. I-A-A, Kai, and then we see that both in essence, not in essence, but in actuality, what they did is they charged the rushes. We just have four panels of them moving. The assumption is that they're moving against each other, but then page turn, new panel, you see no. They're both attacking whoever is hiding in the rushes. Usagi encounters what appears to be four. Gunichi either the same four or an additional four. It's kind of hard to tell. I guess it would be the same four uh, looking at further panels. One was felled, so there are three left. We find that they are from the Dogoro school looking to avenge what they feel is their um, lost honor by defeating Usagi, well, by killing Usagi, who dishonored the school by defeating probably so many of them as he went through the, the ranks of the tournament. Usagi, after that initial rush, rush though, I, I might note, sheathed his sword as he's talking to these uh, Dogoro fencers. They rush him, and in two panels of movement, Usagi doesn't do anything, and then I guess in a sudden movement, he draws his sword and lays low. Mm, maybe he kills one, injures one, and one gets away. Or he kills two, and one gets away. Yeah, that looks to be it. Um, two two are felled, and one get away. But Usagi, at this point, uh, says, Blood. I never realized there would be so much blood. And Gunichi tells him, Ha, you're learning already, Usagi. Their ambush was a cowardly attack. They have dishonored their school more than you have. And Usagi gets kind of that look on his face that we see in the movies. Um, the last fencer is running away behind Usagi, we see over his shoulder. But Usagi's attention is Gunichi, and he asks, well, shall we continue the match? And Gunichi, in what I think is a, a very, very honorable point, says, no need to. Both our swords have tasted blood. As far as I'm concerned, it's a draw. And off panel, but we see the word bubble, Usagi says, agreed. Now, uh, just now, this brings up an interesting point to me. I had always heard in lore, particularly for the samurai, um, and, and you see this occur contrary to what I'm about to say a lot, but in lore, it was my understanding that a samurai never unsheathed his sword without it tasting blood. And if, you know, a lot of times you will see in other media where they will uh, be showing off their sword or something like that and then sheathe it. But then I've seen other examples where a samurai will do that and he does something with the sword and he will purposefully cut his hand um, so that the sword is blooded, clean that off, of course, and sheath his sword back. So um, I know that their contest was to first blood, uh, but here this incorporates both swords because, of course, the second sword would not have to taste blood in order for the contest to be over, and it would never have tasted blood via that those, those rules in the contest, and so it would be sheathed without tasting blood. 
So I don't know the reality, um, and and I guess this was dictated by the the code of Bushido. Uh, I would assume as to what you do with your sword, you know, when it's unsheathed and everything like that. But that's just again, you know, perhaps a lot of these things. And I know I raised some issues uh, last Color Classics episode. Maybe I need to put comic books away for a little while and just really focus on Edo period Japanese uh, history and, and myths and breaking myths and things like that so I can just learn. There seems to be a lot of things coming up lately that I genuinely don't know. Hmm. So Gunichi continues, your skills are exceptional, Usagi. I'll recommend you to Lord Mifune. I'm sure you'll prosper in his service. And Usagi bows very reverently. Thank you, Gunichi-san. It would be an honor to enter the service of so great a lord. I hope, I hope too, that we will become true friends, I said, as the scene is shifting to Usagi and Genosuke. And Genosuke exclaims, friend, how could he have been your friend? You just killed him. Gunichi, reflecting all the way back to the first part of the first story that we saw. And, and we'll get to that explanation if, if everybody just hangs in there. We'll get to it. Uh, what kind of story are you trying to pass off to me, he says. Usagi says, but there's more. And Gunichi, and all of this is through gritted teeth and, and much waving of arms and everything. G Gunichi is very, or uh, Genosuke is very drama-driven sometimes. Uh, maybe to move the story along. Um, it, that's not always present in his character as we have seen and we'll see him in other venues. But he's exclaiming, if that's how you treat your friends, I can't imagine what you do to me, your best friend. Usagi screams back, what? You're no friend of mine. You're a cheat and a manipulator and untrustworthy and, uh, okay, I accept your flattery. Now, I'll let you buy me a drink and you can continue your story. What? Buy you a drink? And Genosuke continues, you didn't expect me to listen to the rest of your story sober, do you? And that's where we end part five. And we have, uh, no... No, that's not the male woodcutter in the background here. It's just a villager walking by, noticing that they're arguing amicably, but arguing. Okay, so chapter six, Genosuke and Usagi are proceeding to an inn, and they come in. Genosuke says, innkeeper, bring sake, enough to, blind, enough to make two men blind. And the innkeeper, who appears to be like maybe a mole, um, yes, samurai, right away. And Gen looks over at Usagi and says, how about you, Ronan, you want anything? meaning that the sake is just for Gen. The innkeeper comes, here you go, sirs, the best we have. Anything else you want? And Usagi says, and, and this is something else I wanted to make note of, says, yes, innkeeper, there's a dead samurai up the road near the river. See that he's taken care of. This too, Ryo, should cover it, R-Y-O. Dead? Y yes, sir. And Usagi says, and don't rob the body. I'll know if anything's been stolen. He was a good samurai once. And the innkeeper's shaking, yes, sir, I, I, I mean, no, sir. And he scrambles off to go what, do what Usagi asked. Ryo is a, a, a money, a, uh, an exchange token. And one of the things I remember from other research is that a Ryo, R-Y-O, roughly equates to a koku, K-U, K-O-K-U, koku, which it is the equivalent rice needed to feed one man for one year. Okay, now if that exchange holds up, he just gave to dispose of the body, this man, enough money to buy rice to feed him for two years in rice. I'm thinking dude is set, man, for the next two years. Even being an innkeeper, you know, he's going to bring in money. But now 
he's going to need a lot less money to live. So that just, that you know, enough rice to feed two men for two years he just gave this dude. That's, that's a lot of money. You know, for us, uh, rice was a pretty significant staple uh, for eating then. Um, here in the West, I, I don't know necessarily what the equivalent would be. I don't think it would be enough meat because there are those of us that don't eat meat every meal. Um, but I'm not sure what substance really, on average, folks here in the U.S. eat, you know, five to six uh, uh, days, let's say, days out of every seven. You know, that would be something significant in the diet. Um, any one thing. I, I can't imagine what that bread, maybe, but you can't live on that. Yeah, so I don't know if what, what equivalent that would be for us. But that just strikes me as a lot, you know, enough rice to eat. To, to feed two men for two years, or to feed a man for two years. Uh, sorry, got uh, kind of distracted there. So um, uh, let's see again, tells Usagi, oh, you didn't have to tell him that, don't worry about it. I, I took the money from the samurai up there. And Usagi's quite upset. Gen uh, is drinking and asks if he, if Usagi wants any. Gen is, is willing to share. And Usagi's like, no, this sake was bought with a dead person's money. It's bad luck. I won't drink. And Gen's like, okay, well, more for me, and goes ahead and prods Usagi at this point to continue the story. So Usagi continues, uh, okay, let's see. Um, I left my mountain solitude after a month. So that's a month on top of the two months on top of whatever time. So we'll say, you know, four or five months maybe since the um, fencing tournament and then decided on going back to my village once more before entering Lord Mafuni's service. I guess that he had gotten the okay that Lord Mafuni did want him. I, I don't know. We weren't told. I was about a day's walk from home when I stopped off at an inn along the road and Usagi is sitting here. Uh, he's eating on the big splash page here or full page spread, whatever you want to call it. I recently maybe have been educated that this isn't a, a splash page, but just a full page. So he's eating and he has two, four, six wild tokagi that he's also playing with feeding them. Sitting here eating some rice, drinking some tea. Now, on uh, th in this panel, something that I noticed struck me curious. Usagi is seated at the table. Um... He is. He has removed both of his swords. They are laying on the table opposite him. Okay, he has all the food in front of him, and his swords are laying on the table on the far side, on the other side of the food, with the handles facing away. So my first thought was, man, if something happened and Usagi had to jump up and grab one of those, it would be really difficult. Um, the handles are facing away, and if he tipped the table over and standing up, he would knock the swords to the floor and, and good luck finding them in time then anyway. So that's, I don't know. Like I said, that just struck me that there, there's not a much more, a, a much um, higher order, I guess, way of putting them somewhere to where it made it difficult for Usaki to get them, if you know what I mean. There's not much he could have done to make them harder to get, in my mind. But as Usagi's eating, he hears somebody raising an uproar, asks the innkeeper about it, and the innkeeper asks him for help. So Usagi, um, having grabbed up his katana, uh, sticks it in his belt and, and walks into the, or sash, walks into the next room, and it is Kenichi, a very 
lubricated Kenichi. Um, I think that's what the kids say, lubricate. What well, he's drunk, okay, uh, but not so drunk that he doesn't recognize Usagi. Uh, welcomes him in. Uh, Kenichi tells him, you know. You, you beat me and you're a jerk and the Dagoro school threw me out and they're a jerk and the whole world's a jerk. Everybody's a jerk. And in the midst of this going on, he finally passes out. Finally, because he's been, you know, raising a ruckus and drinking and breaking and beating up people. The innkeeper said nine people had gone in to try to remove him and had lost that physical battle. So there you go. Uh, we see Kenichi here. He's waking up recognizes Usagi and immediately attacks him. says, I'll kill you, Usagi. It's because of you that I'm here like this. I'll kill you dead. And then he stops because uh, all that uh, sound and action causes his head to, to thump being hungover. Kenichi tells him the sad story. You know, after defeating the Dagoro school and after defeating me, they kicked me out and I wandered for a little while, but have been here for most of the time just drinking. We see Kenichi feigning uh, having learned a lesson here and feigning because later on we see uh, that his character hasn't much changed, really. N uh, maybe not not necessarily later in this story, but later in other stories. This this was not... This was a possible learning moment for Kenichi, and, and maybe he picked up a, you know, a mini lesson, but it, it was not a, a learning-slash-teaching moment for him, as it turns out. Since I was arrogant in my victories at the tournament, I vowed to either defeat you or leave the school and return to our village in disgrace but I haven't the courage to show my face back there. The innkeeper comes in to check on him, and Usagi tells her, uh, her? Eh, I don't know if it's a her or not. Maybe not. Tells the innkeeper to bring some food. The innkeeper tells him, um, I don't have any food. Yo, there's some brigands, and they've been robbing everybody. They robbed me. They cut off my supply lines. Actually, they have exhausted everything in this area, and I uh, understand I've heard that they're moving on to the next village. And Usagi and Kenichi realize the next village, well, that's that's our village. And so they, um, they a couple dramatic panels here. Kenichi uh, cries out, Innkeeper, bring me my swords, which reminds me of something from somewhere, but I, I can't place where that could have been from. We're both leaving, and then the final panel is a mm, half to three-quarter page panel. It's nighttime, and we have the darkened squiggles in the sky, almost like a storm, right? A storm brewing, maybe, is what I got. And in the foreground, we have Usagi and uh, Kenichi walking side by side, almost marching at us towards their next village. Swords uh, ready, arm sleeves tied back, going to save their village. And that's where the story ends. So, uh, that is parts, what is it, five and six of Usagi's origin, kind of. Usagi's initial story, we'll say. It's not, I don't, it doesn't strike me really as an origin story. The young Usagi stories are origin, yes, but these, where he's older, uh, not so much, in my mind. So, um, looking back over things here a little bit, we have the... Kuka Amigasa... Kukuka Amigasa, the big, it looks like a trash can turned upside down on the head, made out of straw with the uh, slits in it so he can, so that Gunichi could see through. The the Mino, which is the big straw cape. The Geita, the clog sandal combo footwear that you see a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, they have those blocks on the bottom that in essence raises them up an inch or two, the, the foot itself. 
I, I think that that was a good, might not be comfortable, but it would be good to travel in because it kept you out of whatever gack was around, mud or water, or, you know, whatever. And then Ryo, um, or Koku, which I believe I have read is an equivalency. And that is, uh, a Koku is the amount of rice it takes to feed one man for a year. Alrighty, guys, I think that's uh, the bulk, perhaps everything, that I was wanting to talk about this episode. Next time out, I believe the schedule says that I will be talking about issue 42 of the Dark Horse volume of Usagi Jimbo, volume 3. So, if that holds true, that's what you can expect next time. I'll talk to you guys then. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.